You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on New Testament characters, now looking at the life of Titus. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. New Testament Character Podcast 47, Titus. Titus was a major figure in Paul's life, although, surprisingly, he's not mentioned anywhere in the book of Acts. But of course, the book of Acts is very selective. We call it Acts of the Apostles, but most of the apostles make virtually no appearance at all. It's really almost all on Peter and Paul. So it's not surprising that Luke has focused more on other characters. Titus is mentioned 13 times in the New Testament, most of those times in 2 Corinthians, but also in Galatians and Timothy and, of course, Titus. Now, unlike Timothy, he had no Bible background. He was a Gentile. His father was Gentile. His mother would have been a Gentile. Timothy had the Jewish uh, mother-grandmother, and he'd been brought up with the Scriptures, just not by his father. By the way, we notice that Paul was effective at working with people whether they're from a biblical background or one that included no biblical conditioning at all, that is, pagans. And there's something refreshing at times, I think, with working with people who don't have so many presuppositions. Uh, They're not church people. They don't know the scriptures, and it's all brand new. On the other hand, there's something refreshing about working with people who already have spent years investing in God's Word. And I'm grateful to others who've in a sense, provided a foundation so that we can continue to build. Well, we're going to first be looking at Galatians and then 2 Corinthians, and then we'll end up in Titus. But let's just read these few passages we have about Titus. Paul is referring to his visits to Jerusalem, and I'm reading in Galatians 2, verses 1 to 3. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation. He speaks then about a private meeting. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was Greek. Now, if you're new to the New Testament, this may be quite perplexing. If you're not new to the New Testament, you know exactly what this is. It's that Jew-Gentile controversy, the number one hot issue in the first century. How Jewish do the Greeks need to become? Uh, It's the same confusion that has surfaced today, or I should say in the last 50 years or so, in so-called Messianic Judaism, a movement that says that we need to be observing the Jewish law. Uh, Of course, Paul would have said, no way. Now, Timothy and Titus are different cases. Titus was from a purely pagan background. And Paul is following the principle of 1 Corinthians 9.22, all things to all men. There is zero reason for Titus to be circumcised. Timothy, on the other hand, was brought up um, with Judaism. He was brought up with the Scriptures, the Bible of the early Christians. And for him not to have been circumcised was quite odd. And that's how we can resolve the apparent contradiction. Titus was not compelled to be circumcised. Anyway, that's the first time we, we meet him. And then in 2 Corinthians 2, now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that God, uh, that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them 
and went on to Macedonia. That's an unusual passage because the Lord has opened a door for Paul to preach. Troas, by the way, is near ancient Troy. This is northwest Turkey, um, right across from Europe. The Lord has opened a door, uh, but Paul doesn't go through that door because he has no peace of mind because he didn't find Titus. So he says goodbye and he goes somewhere else. He goes to Macedonia, which actually is Europe. Now, Titus was probably the one who carried the painful letter referred to in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. Corinthians had acted badly. Paul had written a very stern letter to them. He refers to that in uh, uh, seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 8, 9, 10, 11, right around there. And they, they respond well. Now, Titus seems to have been the one who brought that letter to them. Remember, in the ancient church, there were three main ways of communication. They didn't have texts, obviously, or Skype, or Zoom. There was a letter, there was a personal visit, or if you couldn't make it, an envoy. You send someone else for you. And very rarely, we could add in a fourth uh, means of connecting. That was in a conference, and we see that happening in Acts 15. But for the most part, it was sending a representative. If you couldn't go, go yourself or send a letter. So... I think the reason Paul had no peace of mind wasn't just that he missed Titus, though that may be true. Paul wants the update. He wants to know the impact of his severe letter, that strong letter he wrote to the Corinthians, which is not preserved. He wants to know how it went, and he's actually pretty encouraged. We jump ahead to chapter 7. It's interesting because... um, when you go from 2 Corinthians 2 uh, to 7, the, the subject seems to change, and then it seems to resume, taking up taking up right off, where it left off. Uh, so I'm in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, which connects directly to 2 Corinthians 2, 13. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. The God who comforts the downcast supported us by the coming of Titus, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. So this is the result of that letter. Titus has relayed the good news. Uh, The Corinthians had responded well. Now, we learn, if you read all of 2 Corinthians, in a way they had responded too well. There was a troublemaker they were trying to deal with. Uh, this is back in chapter 2, and they were too harsh on him. All right? Just because someone's wrong doesn't mean it's okay to be harsh. There needs to be wisdom and sensitivity. If anything, they had overdone it. Well, anyway, Titus relays the good news. He's not just a messenger. Notice Paul says that Titus too was affected by the Corinthians' response. He refers to the comfort you had given him. So Titus is a man with a heart. Now, we're going to go a few verses later. We'll we'll skip over the famous repentance passage. Uh, And let's start in verse 13. By all this, we are encouraged. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially happy to see how happy Titus was, because his spirit has been refreshed by all of you. I had boasted to him about you, and you have not embarrassed me. But just as everything we said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved to be true as well. 
and his affection for you is all the greater when he remembers that you were all confident, uh, you were all obedient, receiving him with fear and trembling. I'm glad I can have complete confidence in you. Well, according to Paul, Titus was no mercenary. He really loved the Corinthians. Right? He was so happy that things went well with this with his church. He loved them. The relational bonding is a key, a key quality for any Christian leader. Knowledge of the Bible is important. Personal consistency, important. People need to know they can trust you, but it's not enough. It has to be a heart of love, of care. It needs to be even more personal, particularly when serving in such a broad circle um, as the kind that Titus did. The Corinthians respected Titus as much as they respected Paul. That says a lot. We go into chapter 8. Now we're talking about the famine relief collection. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. This is the famine relief collection Paul organizes to build solidarity uh, among uh, Gentile and Jewish background Christians. The Corinthians are donating to assist hungry Judean brothers and sisters. Remember back in the book of Acts, Agabus the prophet predicted there'd be a famine, and there was a famine. And Paul thinks this is so important that the Gentiles share uh, their material goods with the Christians in Judea who've shared their spiritual goods, so to speak. They've shared uh, the Bible and the promises and the patriarchs and so forth. And Titus is entrusted with the matter of this collection. 2 Corinthians 8, 16, Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you, for Titus not only welcomed our appeal, he's coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. Okay, so Titus isn't just reluctantly, oh, do I have to collect the money you know, from Corinth? Do I have to be part of this? He's thrilled to do it. He really is. And this passage spotlights his initiative, and that reminds me of Onesiphorus in 2 Timothy 1. Onesiphorus was the one who was not ashamed of Paul, the prisoner, but he searched hard in the city of Rome until he found him. But it was that initiative. Samuel Butler, um, a great thinker of the 17th century, said, One man has enthusiasm for 30 minutes, another for 30 days. But it is the man who has it for 30 years who makes a success of his life. I like that. Probably for most of us, 30 minutes is about the best we can do. 30 days is challenging. As Butler says, 30 years. This is enthusiasm. It's not just flash in the pan. Someone said, rah, rah, hallelujah, sis, boom, bah, in church. It's a lifestyle. And it's what we want to do, even if no one's around, even if there is no one looking over our shoulder, no accountability. And that's one of the characteristics of Titus, enthusiasm. Isn't that great? I think that's great. As a young Christian, I found 2 Corinthians 8.17 to be one of my favorite passages. And it's not that I understood the context very well. I don't think I quite understood yet about that famine relief. But I thought, well, Enthusiasm, yeah, I need to be enthusiastic. An initiative, 
And initiative means when someone doesn't tell us, we, we do it anyway. So I found that uh, not only helpful for me personally, I found that helpful for others, for various brothers. I, I would say if it seemed like they were not really into it in the fellowship, I'd say, can we look at a verse? We'd go to 2 Corinthians 8. We'd look at that passage. We'd look at Titus um, in 8, 16, 17. And say, so here are two qualities I'm trying to have, you need to have. And one is to take initiative. Even if you don't know someone, go up and say hello. Have, have some kind of a plan. Don't just drift here. And some energy, smile, have some enthusiasm. And I found that that was helpful uh, to others as it was to me. Things we can work on in the fellowship. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 8.23, Paul says, Titus is a partner and co-worker. And in 2 Corinthians 12.18, he says, I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. I'm not sure who that is. Maybe Luke. I don't know. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we, did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? I think, again, Paul is saying he trusts Titus, and he's a true partner in the ministry. So that's eight of the 13 references to Titus are just in that one letter. He is, uh, he is mentioned in 2 Timothy, uh, which is written after Titus, probably. And it says that Titus had gone to Dalmatia. And that would have been, uh, well, that would have been a good 10 years uh, later than the Corinthian letters. So Titus is in Paul's circle for a long time. But I'd actually like to go to the letter itself, Paul's epistle to Titus, and focus on a handful of verses there before we make application. In Titus 1.4, he refers to Titus as his true child or his true son. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, Paul knew Titus's mother. I mean, Titus's father would have been Greek just like his mother. We're not talking about something biological, but it's that kind of relationship. And it's the same language he used of Timothy, for example, in 1 Corinthians 4. Titus 1.5. Titus is entrusted with the task of appointing the elders in Crete, or should I say on Crete, because it's an island with different cities. And we're not told how he appointed them, but he made it happen. And it's reasonable, I think, to assume that Titus himself possessed the strength of character indicated in the list of qualities for church leaders. Titus 1, like 1 Timothy 3, speaks of elders, that is the overseers, the ones who led the churches in the first century. And what was important for them was character. And that was shown in marriage and family. It was shown in the reputation in the community in restraint, discipline, and so forth. For Titus to be involved in this, he had to be doing pretty well himself. He's entrusted also to rebuke those teaching error. That's Titus 1.13. Now, it's one thing to tell someone, stop that, you're teaching error. It's another thing to say, this is why it's error, and you need to stop that now. I think a lot of people may have some idea that a teaching is right or a teaching is wrong. But Christian leaders need to be able to explain it. Then we go to Titus 2.1. He's entrusted to teach sound doctrine. Titus 2.15. To do so with all authority. Paul says, let no one despise you. Probably not because Titus was despicable or because of youth. Could be youth. But I think it's because he wasn't an apostle like Paul. I mean, he's, he's the replacement. He's a substitute. Uh, do you, if you had a substitute teacher in school, would you respect him or her as much as you did your regular teacher? Hopefully. 
And perhaps it could be, he says, let no one despise you, because Titus lacked the intensive biblical background of his mentor. I mean, Paul wasn't just brought up Jewish. He was he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. He was an expert. Timothy had a deep biblical background. Anyway, I won't speculate anymore about why Paul says, let no one despise you. He is trusted to deal with divisive persons, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And then one more verse in Titus 3.12, Paul says, Do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Well, that, that reads a lot like Paul's parallel request to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. And that suggests, at least to me, that this is an important relationship to Paul. Uh, to not just be together, but to strategize. He's a key person in his ministry. And Paul is going to spend the winter in Nicopolis, and he'll wait until the bad weather's over and the sailing season resumes. But he'll just he'll be spending the winter there, and he wants to see Titus. Now, let's wrap up. You know, as one interpreter observed, Titus was a troubleshooter, peacemaker, an administrator, and a missionary. <laughs> I really like that. According to tradition, he died around the year 100 on Crete. Could be, could be. There's a, a town in Crete called Heraklion, and the church there says they have his skull. Well, whether they have this skull or not, what we have is his heart. And there are enough scriptures in the New Testament, especially in 2 Corinthians and Titus, that we can look into Titus's heart and learn from him. What can we do? Four things. Let's be a support to Christian leaders. He was a tremendous support to Paul. Let's respect the older men and women in our lives. Let's aim for character traits like enthusiasm and initiative. And let's not make excuses for small thinking. Even if you weren't brought up around the Bible, if you're more of a Titus than a Timothy, God can still use you in powerful and important ways. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on New Testament characters. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.